Scott Powell. And over there is Father Peter Mossett. And we are the Lanky Guy. And we are in the same room for the first time in a while. I know. It's really nice. It's nice to see your eyeballs. I know. Not over Skype. I know. Because, yeah, that's that's how it is, man. And it's uh, it's Ash Wednesday in which we're recording this at like 9.30 at night. Which is super late for me because I have kids. <laughs> I'm a I'm a wuss. I know, and, and uh, all the college students make fun of me who we work with. And I heard I heard uh, a grand total of six hours of confessions and three masses <gasps> tonight. So That's a lot. Dude. I, I know, man. So this is going to be holy or <laughs> holy and intense. Check this out. I have no idea if you listen to the podcast, but kind uh, of Mike to guide us. Mike D. Mike D is awesome. So Skip is his nickname. Is it? I don't know. Yeah. Well, check this out. So it's it's he went to mass this morning on campus. So that Father Peter and Father John do masses on campus on the middle of CU at the University of Colorado. It's great in a building called Old Main. Tons of students come. They have confessions. But I guess this morning uh, Deacon Marty was there helping to minister the uh, ashes, and Deacon Marty just plowed those ashes onto people's foreheads. Dude, really? Yeah, they were intense, and everybody I saw from that mass just had them. So I'm driving down Folsom Street today in yeah. Boulder. About noontime, and I can see I'm over by McGuckin's Hardware, and I can see like the equivalent of a couple blocks away. I see Mike Zagaitis on his bike, and I can see his ashes <laughs> clear as bell from way down the street. And I'm like, wow, Deacon Martin, those are intense, dude. dude. Actually, I saw a couple of people, and I was like, whoa, man, that can do can do it. Those are some serious ashes. He, I mean, he's he's been a deacon as long as I've been alive. So <laughs> there you go. He knows what he's, knows what he's doing. Yeah, dude. I got I got pretty weak ashes this morning oh man you know it's what happens i I, I uh i i got a couple people like really good but i get a lot of people on their nose it like drops onto their nose and then <laughs> and then they like try to wipe it away and they look the, like our lady of chestahova did you see pope benedict this morning getting ashes he like got him all the way from like his chin to the back of his head <laughs> you see the picture no, it's no, like I going didn't. up in the middle of his head Dude. he got the full that's Down to his belly button. <laughs> Dude, there's a the the neocatechumenal way. Oh yeah, like they'll they literally pour ashes onto your head. That's not that's no it's no like thumb. They're like remember your ash and like and it's burnt and down. You will look like it. And you will look it. like it. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I I kind of dig the whole ashes thing. There's some guy on I forget I forget his name. There's there's a, a guy on Sports Center on ESPN who always has ashes every year. It's kind of his thing. And I'm just like, what do you have in your head? Good for him. Dude. I wish I, I was actually sad I didn't see more ashes today hey. walking around the world. But I'll tell you what, man. There's like a billion of us, and, and most Catholics like to do it. So, Well, the 7.30 p.m. mass was packed out the door, so oh. maybe that's why I didn't see that many people. Oh, baby. It was big. It was big. Plus, our Pope is retiring. Dude, of, and, and lightning hit. Lightning Saint hit Peter. the Vatican. <laughs> like two the Pope hours. is retiring. <laughs> Mike DeGuidis has ashes coming out of his ears. It's, <laughs> it's, it's been a it's, big couple days. Cats and dogs are living cats together. Cats and dogs living together. It's mayhem. Complete anarchy. Yeah. What movie? Ghostbusters. Nice. <laughs> nice. We, that's the first time we, we've actually communed on I such, know. such a good. We always have. We miss each other on the movie quotes, but we got it. Yeah, we're there. Well, thank you for tuning in. Absolutely. And Welcome to the first Sunday of Lent. Yeah, it's going to be epic. Um, we, I think. <laughs> Actually, I have no idea what it's going to be because it's 9.30 at night. And Ash Wednesday, 9.30 is... 
is epic. It, it is. And, and um, we were about to have uh, the land flowing with milk and Red Bull. And and yeah. I I had to, I had to convince Scott to to come back. He was like he's like he was holding a Red Bull, which is in my emergency like Red Bull stash in, in the refrigerator. And he it's was a like, big stash. Is a big stash. <laughs> okay, just call me out. Well, of course I'm calling call you out. Yeah, you. Wait a second. <laughs> wait a second. Continue. Uh, continue. Um, so uh, so uh, he, he he was gonna have it, and it's like we've been fasting all day, and I was like, dude, man, that thing is gonna mess you up. <laughs> You do not want to have a Red Bull at the end of a day. And so he went with the grapefruit juice instead. Right now I'm sipping on King Super's brand orange juice. It's 100% orange 100%. juice. And, and and by that they mean the color. <laughs> <laughs> the juice is entirely orange. There's no part of it. It is juice. orange this juice. This is not juice that's orange. Or not orange. Oh man! Well, up, upstairs, uh, Father John is having um, a whole bunch of people over, and they're they're whooping it up. So you're whooping gonna hear them. They're gonna you're gonna hear them in the background of our podcast. So flowing with milk and honey up there. Well, today we start off in Deuteronomy. <clears throat> Deuteronomy, the second law, Deuteronomos. Deuteronomos. It's true. They screwed up on the first law, and so they had to get a second one. Do you know what the first law was? First law was the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. Yeah. It's so funny, you know, people get so flipped out by the Old Testament because it's it's just tons of laws. And technically it is 613 laws. But it's so funny. I mean, if you want, it, just the pedagogy is beautiful with the way God works. I mean, God begins, he's simple. I mean, he gives a law. So Moses goes up on the mountain, he gets this law, it's Ten Commandments. It's stuff like don't kill people and don't steal stuff. I mean, it's <laughs> intuitive. You didn't, you didn't actually need stone tablets to have figured that out except for keep the sabbath holy except keep keep the sabbath holy which i don't know i wonder if that was intuitive or not but in general you know these are pretty pretty straightforward yeah then he comes down what's happening the golden calf thing everyone's flipping out they're worshiping a cow which was one of the major gods from egypt where they just left and there were cries that were neither a victory Mm, or defeat not good but it's only then that you get all these laws, and it's only then that you get Levitical priests and the cleansing laws and all these things. And then they sin again when the Levitical priests go into the land in numbers, and then they get more laws on top of that. So, I mean, anybody who looks at the Old Testament is like, well, God's just mean and weird, and he has stupid, strange laws. I mean, there's you've heard about this on the news. There's people who, there was some guy I was reading about who was trying to live all of the laws of the, of, of the Old Testament today. And he was he like did it for a year or something. And he wrote a book oh, yeah, about yeah. it. I, I remember seeing that. And he tried to live like exactly by the Bible for one year. Right. Which is an interesting idea. And I think it's kind of interesting. But it, it's it's to miss the point also. I mean, what you know, when you're a parent and your kid does something they're not supposed to do, you actually have to add more rules. That's the nature of the thing, right? Mm-hmm. You want to give them... I remember when I was a little kid, I had an older brother who for a while would babysit for me. I, I, I remember... Early, he was quite a bit older than me, and I remember he, when my parents would go out, my brother would watch me. And then I remember there being a lot of holes punched in doors, and I hit him <laughs> in, a, in the gut with a dart once, and it stuck there. And, <laughs> no, no. I mean, they're just crap went down, as you can imagine. With, with you have a brother, yeah. And then I just remember there was a point where all of a sudden my brother couldn't watch me anymore, <laughs> and Granddad had to come, and you know there was obviously a, the parents want to give you freedom, you yes. blow it. And so you lose the freedom, and there's restrictions put on. But that, that's what's going on. So it's not these arbitrary laws that are happening in the Old Testament, but it's, it's logical. And then Jesus shows up, and he says, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. And if the laws were meant to be, you know, them being grounded, temporary, then he's fulfilling it by lifting, them, lifting the restrictions because you're supposed to grow up. But that's kind of the story we're, we, we enter into. And we get the reading this Sunday from the very end of the, the description of the ceremonial laws. 
of what's going on. And, and one of the last ones is this rule, that, uh, rule law, this, this command that we get to, uh, to, to basically give um, the first fruits back to tithe. And it's, so here's, here's what I think is interesting. Well, first of all, do you anything jump into your minds? Because I, I only have one really major point on this, but I think it's a neat one. I don't. Okay. So here, <laughs> here's what I find interesting. And I just discovered this today as I was scraping, scrambling, trying to find something interesting to say about Deuteronomy. But I did know this. So most of Deuteronomy is actually understood to be a commentary on the Ten Commandments. Oh. So you got the Ten Commandments. Yeah. It's intuitive. It's plain. We obviously don't understand how to worship God and how to not, you know, commit adultery and do all the things that they were doing in the golden calf incident. Yeah. So you get this long book, which is basically a long commentary on all the stipulations for these. And the way that it works out, how scholars read this is that Deuteronomy 26, we finally gotten to the end of the 10. And so this is supposed to be a commentary on the 10th commandment, oh. which is one of the hardest ones to try to find a commentary. I mean, what's the 10th commandment? Remember? On the spot, priest. (laughs) Dude, my brother gave me a piece of advice because he was listening and he was like, he's like, dude, you're Scott's boss. And you keep shutting him down about the, 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 his pedagogical method of the Socratic style. And he said, he said, this is his recommendation. He says, you could just answer your own question. And then I don't look like uh, I'm as, I'm as bad. Yeah, you could actually. I've been trying to. Have you been trying to? Yeah, not, not every time, but. Oh, that's good. It's do not cover your neighbor, covet your neighbor's house or goods. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. I, I, I had that in my mind. You know what? I, I, I in the confessional and I did, uh-huh. I had a couple of those today. They're like, I have sinned against the fourth commandment. I have sinned against the what? seventh you commandment. Do that's not fair. I know. And, and then, and then as a, as a confessor, you kind of have to like, you have to like kind of listen oh, to the context yeah, and one. then you're like, Oh, <laughs> the ninth commandment. I can't believe that you've coveted your neighbor's wife. See, I know that one. Yeah. Because because you told me the tenth, I and only I know, know that because it's sitting right in front of me in a book. <laughs> if you'd have put me on the spot, I don't think I'd have gotten that one. Especially when it's being recorded. But that's the point. It's it's kind. Of, it's not an obscure one. I mean, we know not yeah. to do that. But it's okay. So you have this. You have this reading all about giving the first fruits of the harvest to the Levitical priests, and somehow that's a commentary on not coveting your neighbor's goods. And so I was, I was thinking about that today. And this is kind of what's what's going on. I mean, first of all, so here's here's an important context for understanding the Old Testament. In the beginning. The priests of the nation of Israel were supposed to be all the firstborn sons, remember? Yeah. So originally, and this is laid out way back in Genesis, all the firstborn sons have the right to a priesthood. So that means on some level, every family has their own priest. And what does a priest do? Well, they offer sacrifices. But more than anything, I mean, they're, they're, they're the, the conduit between God and his people. They're the ones who teach and to draw people in. And so remember, there's at one point in Exodus when God tells Israel, you are my firstborn son, which means they are the priestly people. So their job is to go out to the nations and bring everybody back. So it's great. Everything's great. Everybody's a priest. <laughs> Not everybody's a priest, but you know, everybody's got their own household priest until the golden calf. And then all of a sudden it's restricted. And then all of a sudden oh. only the Levites get it. Oh. And they only get it because they're the only ones who stood up and said, no, we're not going to worship this cow anymore. Mm. But from that point on, you have these these rituals and these rules where the people of Israel have to bring their tithes, not just to the temple and not just to God, but they have to bring them to the Levites. Why? It's because they're doing the job that Israel was supposed to do. So they've lost their, their God-given ability to be priests. Oh. And because they lost it, they have to give it to the only people who actually have the job now. Oh. So it's this reminder. Actually, you know, when Jesus is, uh, this doesn't apply to the readings, but remember when Jesus is presented in the temple? Yes. So every male, every firstborn male who's born has to go up to the temple to be presented. 
And the whole process of the presentation in the temple is this remind is this basically giving over, saying this is my firstborn son. He was supposed to be the priest. We lost that because of our sin of uh, as our nation. So here we are turning the authority over to you, Levites. So we're basically giving you our firstborn son's authority as priest, and we're presenting him to you so that you can be the priest in his stead. Which is kind of interesting. Wow, that's that's wild. So that's what we're that's what's being commanded here. Basically, you're giving the first fruits, but how is that? What does that have to do with not coveting your neighbor's goods? Well, you know, first of all, what are your what are your neighbor's goods? Well, the Levites' goods are the priesthood, which you used to have, and now you've you've had to give that over to them. So now support them, build them up, because they represent the people. Now don't covet, you know, the goods which they have now, which were supposed to be yours at one point. And so you have all these first fruits and these foods that Man. are given, and then where do they go next? Well, they, they're usually going to end up in banquets that you're going to share with your neighbors and with each other. And so it's this kind of full cycle. But it's, it's, it's an interesting uh, image, I think. Yeah, it really is. It, and it makes sense on why um, our ushers can pass the basket now, too. <laughs> because the priesthood has been returned through Jesus Christ oh, yeah, yeah. to the common priesthood. So, so it's like, That's how our common priesthood is lived. Yeah, the ushers. To pass the basket. Dude, you have to do anything you can to be like, ushers, you're important. I mean, literally. Cause, no, I know. Cause, we went to, we visited another parish this morning. We were in, in Louisville because it was the only one the whole family could go to yeah. the early today. And uh, we were standing in the back because it was packed and we had the little ones. And this guy, the usher, was like, uh, man, can you help me out passing the baskets? And I was like, ah, I don't know how you guys do it here. And so I had to have Lily, my four-year-old daughter, help me. And she knocked it out of the park. She was awesome. She went to the front. She handed it. She picked it up. She was nice. I think I found the key to be well-behaved in mass. Nice. We'll get her to do it. I'll, she dude, was I'll, great. I'll she sign was awesome. her up, man. Yeah, so pass the basket, man. Pass the basket because it says you shall receive the basket from the priest shall receive the basket from you and shall set it in front of the altar of the Lord your God. Mm. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God, my father was a wandering Aramean. (laughs) You have to say it in that. I'm gonna I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna do the reading someday with your nose plugged, and I'll be like, the Lord said unto thee, (laughs) and people are gonna look at me and I'm gonna get fired immediately. By who? Like, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Unless the archbishop's visiting, mm-hmm. he likes you though. He does. He's my buddy. Oh, this is so. I didn't. So you know how it says that the, I'm going to bring you. I brought you into this country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Milk and honey. We've been referring to that like three times today. Yes. Do you know? Well, <laughs> do you know what that means? I do know be- what that means. Oh, that, do you? Yeah, yeah. Because when, when we talk about milk and honey, we're actually talking about fresh fruit. Yes. We're talking about, it's not just like that there's like some like milk depositories and some right. bees. And honey flowing out of them. <laughs> out, of, out of like, it's it's not like a poo bear is over <laughs> yeah, in, in the corner in the promised land in, in Tigger. That's what I thought. You know, it's, it's, rather, it's um, fresh fruit. Bro. Yeah, it's just raw. It's it's raw, awesome fruit that's uncultivated, but that's totally amazing. Well, that's part of it. Well, I so don't know what the here's milk what part I've, is. Here's what I've always heard. So what I've always heard, and... If this isn't true, you can get mad at Thomas Smith. But what I've always heard is that the milk and honey. So honey, what, what's referred to there with the honey, yes, is like jam. It's more. It's not honey in a little honey bear, but it's what we think of as jam. So, in other words, fresh fruits that are able to be made into a honey or a jam. Oh. That's the Hebrew word that's actually used. So it's fruit, made. You know. Oh, so they have a cannery in the Promised Land, basically. And but, some mason but the jars. milk. Where do you get milk from? Milk. Yeah, does it grow on trees? It, milk. Not milk. Milk. <laughs> milk. Dude, where did you where did you grow up? Milk. 
I grew up here. <laughs> oh, yeah. I grew up in Denver. Town. That's right. Okay. Where do you get milk from? You get it from cows and, and goats. Yeah. Herds. Sheeps. So here's what it's saying. In, in, in the Middle East, there's very few places that actually have the, the ecology to support, um, to support growing tr- fruit trees and herding flocks, oh. where you can actually herd flocks and you can also cultivate vineyards and grapes and fruits. So it's it's not this weird, mysterious honey flowing out of waterfalls. It's saying it's the kind of land that you can actually have fruits and a harvest and flocks and fields in abundance. It's flowing with milk and honey. That's awesome. Which is much cooler than... And, and I don't know if it's cooler or not. Well, and I'll tell you, man, and that's the exact way the Lord wants to deal with our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. Is he wants to take us into a land that's flowing, that's just abundant. He wants to take us out of the nasty little things, that's bring true. us into out of a spirit of scarcity into a spirit of abundance. Absolutely. And that's what Lent is. It's funny. It's like we actually go into scarcity in our yeah. lives voluntarily so that we recognize the abundance. Totally. First yeah. Sunday Amen. of Lent. First. I've been losing my voice all day. So the, we get to the psalm. Psalm. Psalm 91. Which is um, a psalm that both both the Eastern and Western churches pray this in their their litur- liturgy of the hours. We usually pray this at night, right? Yes. Um, the uh, East prays it at midday. Oh. For different reasons, because you know we we tend to zero in on the ones that. Uh, like it goes on. It talks about you know in, uh, at sunset this and that, um, but it also talks about evil at noon. So basically, it's all talking about evil when I'm in trouble, bad things are happening. Yes. And there's different times in the day, you know, that can happen at midday, it can happen at sundown. It's scary when you're going about all this stuff. But why why would the first reading about this land flowing with milk and honey and giving the first fruits over to the priest, why does that have anything to do with being in trouble? Well, it's because they've actually lost something. I mean, if you realize the context of Deuteronomy, they just lost their priesthood. They lost their status as a priestly people. They are in trouble. Ooh. But in the midst of their trouble, God's bringing good out of it. He's going to bring... He's going to reconcile things. He's going to reconcile them, which is just cool because Lent, I mean, that's that's what we're doing. I mean, it's fasting just stinks. It's just the worst. I had a professor yeah, it is. at Steubenville who would, every Lent, every Ash Wednesday morning, he would come in Ash Wednesday morning to his class and he would throw his stuff down and he would say, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm sick and tired of Lent. <laughs> yeah, dude, my dad. Stinks. My dad said that to me. Actually, it was really funny. He was like, he's like, I ate Lent about a week ago. And I was like, well... Because he, because he, it really, he has like two pops a day, oh. and he loves those pops. <laughs> midday pop, mid afternoon pop. Yeah. And uh, and I was like, well, then just don't give it up. If it's if it's ruining Lent for you, <laughs> like true. like don't give it up. Like That's just true. just keep the coke. It's okay. Yeah. It, it's we cannot make into doctrines mere human traditions. I had a priest once tell me I was not allowed to give up coffee for Lent as I was planning on. Because he said, I can't make other people have my pen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, and so he decided to pray the full liturgy of the hours instead. And he's so really? he's so excited about it. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and like, and he actually likes Lent because it's something that he's been wanting to do. And I'm like, dude, that now we, now we have the spirit. That's cool. Word. That's really cool. Be with me, Lord, when I'm in trouble and I don't want to fast. Yeah. But it's so funny. I mean, we, I can go, you know, a day with missing a couple of meals and not think about it unless I'm supposed to not eat those meals and then it's miserable. <laughs> and then you're like, because I'm conscious of it all day. Yes. That's stupid. Anyway, what do you got? 
Dude, I'm just what are you uh, dude. I, I'm just tracking with you, man. I'm along for the ride, dude. I feel like I, I like I hit the tail You've of the had twister. A long day, man. Dude, I, if if you were to calculate up, I've hit over 50 years of combined um, since I've last been to confessions. What? So, so with all the confessions that I heard today, I've yeah. heard over 50 years of Father, forgive me. It's been two years since my last confession. It's been five oh. years, <laughs> and this is mostly college students. So it's not mm-hmm. like they like. Like, they don't have that many years. No, like <laughs> it's been five years since my last confession. I'm like, so you were in middle school? Is there like, oh, yeah? Man. And you're like, this is college students, and you're like, anymore? That's just not sound. It's, I'm sure it's, they were fine during high school. Nothing happened. Nothing of, happened. Of note. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody sins in high school. Not me. Oh man, I I didn't do my mom. Yeah, or your brother with a dart in his stomach. Oh, I was younger. I was like seven. Oh, okay. Well, no more darts I for you. I didn't know any better. Let's go to Romans because Romans. because we're roaming all over the place. Yes, ah. sorry everybody. Wild card reading. <laughs> it's all. <laughs> it is. I mean, the second reading is usually the wild card, which is which is slightly tough to fit into the context. Dude, we're gonna do a, a whole podcast. We're gonna do just on second readings and just on second readings. We're gonna do the second readings um, in three years' time when we have to come back to these. We're just oh, gonna yeah. do the second readings. Let's do it, man. Mm. And we have this passage from Romans, which is trying to bring everything full circle. Saying, you know, if we believe that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, we're going to be justified. And there's no distinction between Jew and Greek anymore. What was the whole Old Testament reading doing? I mean, number one, it's making a distinction between Jew and Greek, for one thing. My, my, you know, father Abraham, who was of a particular tribe, who was of a particular nation of Israel, God grew this particular people. Remember, they're, they're the firstborn son because they're supposed to go out to the nations and bring them back. Because it's it, 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 the priestly... The priestly firstborn son is an image of what Israel is supposed to be the rest of the world. Exactly. Exactly. And they don't do it until Jesus does it. But Jesus is this kind of answer to the whole problem of the first reading. The firstborn sons lost the priesthood. They had to give it up to the, to the Levites. Jesus Mm. isn't a Levite. What is he? He's an only begotten son. He's a firstborn son. He is priest now, but he's a priest in the image of what Israel was supposed to be from the beginning. And so he's brought the story that was kind of a downer in the first reading full circle. And he's, he's, not, um, he's not negating the law that Moses is giving us. He's just superseding it. He's, he's circumventing. He's going before it. And, and what this reading also demands is the heart. It says, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. you have to believe with the heart mm. for justification and confesses with the mouth. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's both an interior action and an exterior action. Yeah. It's an interior movement with an exterior manifestation, which is... Um, which is um, what exactly what we're talking about in the first reading is that yeah. you need to have an interior movement of sacrifice offered to the priest. You yeah, actually have exactly. to, you have to actually give that to the priest exactly, and, and offer that to him. And then in the offering of that to them, what overflows back to you is, is everything that was missing. Yeah. Gospel time. Ah. <laughs> I was about to fall asleep. It's really late for me. Dude, it's late, it's late for me too, man. Like you guys have no idea out there. I'm losing. My, I've lost my voice three times this week. Thankfully, we can it's whisper. Hard. We can whisper into the microphone and do it this way. And we will do this. You guys don't care that we're tired. You just want to hear about the readings. Yeah, you guys are like you're like I'm just waking up and driving into my work Enough right now. Enough about how tired you are. <laughs> you're just Get so, over it. You just need to eat more food. You're just too lanky. <laughs> well, it's it's Ash Wednesday. We're fasting. Oh yeah. What do you want from us? I've tried to drink a wet Red Bull. A wet Bull. <laughs> a wet Bull. A wet Bull. <laughs> a wet Bull. Don't drink a wet Bull. Whatever <laughs> like you do. Yeah, that's very dangerous. All right, gospel time. 
dude, let's go into the 40 days of the desert. Jesus is like, he's led by the spirit. Led by the spirit do you of remember? the Lord. I do remember what you said. <laughs> yes. Now, what I was about to say didn't actually apply. <laughs> from a different gospel. Oh, okay. That's it. It's not Luke. Mark, well... We don't care. You, don't, you guys don't care about what Mark has to say. You want to care about what Luke has to say. Yeah, because dude, we're on. We're on. Luke, this is Luke's time, dude. It's Luke's time. I'm sorry. Luke gets really jealous like of Mark. Mark. I really dig Mark. It's my favorite of the Gospels. Me too. We're gonna write a commentary oh, right. on Mark. Yes, you know that. Yeah. The temptation in the wilderness, which we're all kind of familiar with, it happens right after the baptism, and in, in Mark it's even more explicit. Ge- Luke gives us a little genealogy in between the two, but it's, yeah. it's from one to the other, and the idea is that. Our baptism, our baptismal promises, once we're pledged to Christ, yes. as soon as Christ is baptized, he goes out to the wilderness, and he's he's facing temptation, and it's going to be hard. So, I mean, the idea is you're pledged to the Christian life. You're going to saddle up, basically. And it's uh, the, the idea for the ancients, Jesus goes to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The, the idea in the, for the, the ancient Jews is that the wilderness represented the dwelling place of, of evil, of chaos, of the evil one. Oh. And some commentators on the gospel say what Jesus is doing. It, don't, I mean, don't, don't tell the people in Boulder that. No, not the, not. Cause they all, not, they all like to hike at Chautauqua and. There's different uh, ways that that's used in. Uh, I know. I'm just, I'm just trying to get <laughs> at you. You were raised it's, here, it's man. It's too late for these <laughs> jokes. <laughs> it's too late for this nonsense. Father. I know. Talk to me about okay the the structure. So the point the point is after the baptism. The idea is that Jesus goes out to the wilderness. So if this is the mindset of the wilderness, it's a scary place. So Jesus goes out to pick a fight. Basically, he's just been baptized. What does he do next? He goes to the wilderness to pick a fight with Satan, oh. which is just, I mean, you know, that's where the spirit takes him. He could have done whatever he wanted to. He could have started preaching. He could have done healings. No, he goes to pick a fight in the wilderness, which is pretty profound. It and is pretty profound. Really, really, it's probably <laughs> profound. Um, but I mean, the question is, he remember in the beginning of Mark? Have we already? I'm sorry, I'm just getting thrown off by where. Yeah, we've gone backwards in Luke this liturgical year. That's what's throwing me off because oh. remember a couple of weeks ago our readings were from the end of chapter four. Yes. Now we've backed up to the beginning of chapter four, so it, it threw me off. Oh, see, I'm, I'm, lot, I'm, I'm used to the liturgy, so I'm not, I, I, they just skip around on me, man. I know, but it's so close. I mean, it's so, I know. they're right next to each other. But he's, Luke is going to, he's going to set Jesus up as the Messiah. He's the king. He's the Christ. He's the one. And what Luke is showing you here is just what kind of Messiah he's going to be, right? And uh, he goes through all these temptations, right? Yeah, human temptations. And here's here's the biggest connection. He's going through these temptations, which are essentially the same sorts of things that Israel struggled with in the wilderness right after the Exodus, right? Which is what Deuteronomy is coming from. So they went out. Their first complaint was they were hungry. They were thirsty. Remember, they wanted more power. They wanted a bigger land. They wanted things to be better than they were. They wanted to be protected. They wanted to go back to Egypt where it was comfortable. All the things that Jesus was being tempted by were the things that they were tempted by in the time of the Exodus. What happened in the time of the Exodus? They blew it with every single one. What happens with Jesus? He's faithful in every single temptation. But one he, after the another. One after the other, but here's what's and they, cool. And they were supposed to do it in 40 days. They were supposed to do it in 40 days. Well, no, that's not entirely true. I, that's what I always thought, too. They were supposed to do it actually pretty quickly. The 40 days only happened because they blew it. Oh. And the punishment was that you were going to wander for 40 days. If you look at a map, it's a pretty straight shot. 
where they were actually headed to, but they were forced to wander for 40 days because of the punishment. I'm sorry, 40 years. 40 years. That's why I was saying, yeah, I think that years. they could they could do it in 40 days. They could have done as, it. As they easily. traveled. They could have easily done it in 40 days. Oh, Oh, so you're suggesting that they were supposed to do it in 40 they, days. They were doing it. They were, they were actually going on the journey. So Jesus is going on the, uh, the he goes into 40 days because that was the time. 40 is always purification. The number 40 shows up so often. And it's a time of probation and testing. Yes. Probing of testing. So what Moses does it, that's the flood, right? They're on the boat for 40 days. Moses has a fast on Mount Sinai for 40 days. Um, Israel, the, the, oh, the 12 spies. Remember when they go into Canaan to spy out the land? They do it for 40 days. Dude, what if Jesus takes all of those 40s and combines them into the wilderness at once? He spies out the land because he oh, sees all the wow. nations and all the kingdoms of the world at once. He does, because Satan chose him. Yeah, he, um, he, he's baptized, so he uh, is, goes through the flood of Noah, which we wow. use in the prayer. He goes through the exodus in the wilderness. Wow. He fulfills all of the 40s. That just blew my mind. That blew my mind. That's really cool. Yeah. Do you know what else, though? So every one of the temptations of which he's fulfilling all the biblical 40s. Gosh, that's cool. <laughs> that's really cool. So every time Satan challenges him and says, well, hey, you know, command these stones to do this or throw yourself off the precipice. Do you know what he what book of the Bible he responds from every single time? No. Deuteronomy. Oh. Every one of his answers is a response from the laws given in Deuteronomy that came right after Israel failed at the very things that he's succeeding in. That's awesome. So he uses Deuteronomy. I think a lot of them actually come from Deuteronomy 26. If I'm not mistaken, I have to go cross-reference that. Yeah. But it's cool. And the, where, where does it all climax? So this temptation <clears throat> in the wilderness climaxes with, with Satan taking him to Jerusalem. Remember, they stand on the precipice of the temple looking out. Yeah. All of this is foreshadowing what's going to happen in the end when he eventually will end up in Jerusalem and he will have the final showdown with Satan on the cross as he's looking down as the new temple on this new world. So it's, it's all kind of leading you up to where he's headed, which is really interesting. It really is. And, and as the priest, oh, go ahead. No, no, it's a closing well, thought. Well, okay, this is interesting because as the, as the priest, um, he's priest, prophet, and king. A priest offers himself, a king represents his people, and a prophet speaks the truth. Yeah. And so um, uh, as the firstborn, as the true, as the true one, to, he, uh, as priest, prophet, and king, he combines them all in, into one. It's, it's like yeah. we, we can make the distinction by the actions which are taking place, but in fact, it's, it's truly one. So by being king and the firstborn and the priest, he's actually leading us through the wilderness. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's why Jesus wins the victory. We celebrate it because we've won the victory. We're in Christ. Yeah. It's not like we go into the 40 days now and we are like, okay, we're trying to like go Jansenistic and right. manifest the victory. Yeah, we can't do that. Victory's already done. What we're doing is we're just remembering and entering in again to experience the graces because they're, they're present. They're in an eternal moment. And so we enter into the desert with Christ and, and, uh, and, and we follow after him because it's good and because the graces are there and he is one. And it's cool. I mean, the, you're right. But here, what's amazing about it is that I don't think we think about this enough. At least I don't, that there actually was a battle to be won. I mean, you, you get the sense of, well, it's God, you know, what's, what's, it's God. God shows up. He, I, I don't know, but, Here's, here's what I think is weird. So check this out. It's in the gospel reading. It's when Satan says, uh, let's see. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a single instant, remember? Mm -hmm. It says, the devil said, I shall give you all of this power and glory for it has been handed over to me and I may, I may give it to whomever I wish. You'd expect, so think about that. He says, here's all the nations of the world, all their power and their glory, they're mine. 
and I can give it to whoever I want to. You'd expect the God of the universe to say, no, they're not. Who yeah. do you think you are? Yes. But he doesn't. He doesn't refute what Satan just said, that he has the authority over these kingdoms. He doesn't dispute that. He just quotes scripture and says, you should love the Lord your God and him alone shall you serve. He does not go after the fact that Satan just claimed authority on these things, which tells me Satan actually does have authority for a period of time. So what Jesus is doing is an actual battle. It's not just lip service. He actually is going in and taking back what's rightfully his so that wow. you, get the, you get the sense that Satan really did have some authority. He actually did have some power. It's limited because he's Satan. Yes. But he actually had real power and authority that Jesus had to fight for and win with his death on the cross. It's not just God paying lip service wow. for something or giving an example of something. He actually fought a real deal battle. Wow. And, and then he won. That's that's awesome. Isn't it? Yeah. It, it, you can listen to Catholic stuff you should know the two standards. Like they just talked about that. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. And like uh, this week or last week or something. It must have been this week. It's this week. I just posted it. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I post for them. Nice. You post for us. Post. And it's, it's, a, it's a happy post. circle. It is a happy circle. You guys. Thanks for joining us, you guys. You uh, are awesome. Um, you know, remember that Sunday is not a day to fast, that you're, that is holy unto the Lord. It's not a day for mourning or weeping, but it's no. a day. Um, so, so, I mean, unless you can't keep your fast, uh, if you stop it on Sunday, then, but it's, it's a solemnity. So every solemnity is a day where you do that. So this, I'm just laughing because as you said that I, this today at lunchtime over in the student center, I was walking around I haven't shaved in a couple of days. It's yeah. not on purpose. I would just have a little scruffy. And somebody looked at me, Mark Westhoff looked at me and he's like, are you not shaving? Cause you're acting like the hypocrites. <laughs> Hey, well, wearing my ashes, being shaven <laughs> like the hypocrites do. Yeah, and we're and we're we're oh like, and we're, we should blow a trumpet before we do our podcast from now on. Well, on that merry note, goodbye. Thanks, everybody. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. See you next week.